Southern New Hampshire's home for the Boston Red Sox. On ESPN New Hampshire Radio, WGAM Manchester, WGHM Nashua. Well, I think he's a you know big guy in the pocket. Um, he can stand tall in there. He can make all the throws, and he's also you know athletic to where he can get out and extend plays. So, um, as a front, you have to do a great job with your pass rush integrity and understand that you know he's a, he's a good quarterback in the pocket to make all the throws. Still got another chance, another opportunity to go out there and play. But you know, only thing matters you know getting the win. So you gotta prepare to the best and uh, play your best because you know all the teams left. Are the best team, so you gotta be ready to play. Rising up, back on the street. Did my time, took my chances. With the distance, now I'm back on my feet. Just a man and his will to survive. So many times it happens too fast. You change your passion for glory. Don't lose your grip. So far, it's Bama's defense. It looks like they want to redeem themselves for last year. Scarborough breaks free. Bo Scarborough in the clear and in the end zone again. And 15. Scarborough gets the edge. Bo Scarborough cuts it back, still rumbling all the way to the end zone. Touchdown, Bama. 14 feels enormous for the Tigers. Bravery McLeod comes in motion. Watson bobbled the snap and gets the edge. And scores. Tigers need six on third down. Safeties are split. Try to hit the middle of the field. Yep, Watson sees that. Renfro's got it. Cuts back and scores. Hudson coming back. They fake it to him. Hurts. Throws downfield. O.J. Howard is wide open. And once again, the tight end will victimize the Tigers with a huge play. Shades of last year. Tracking toward that. You're right, against the defense, not as deep. Watson for the end zone. Williams, touchdown. Works backward pass to Stewart. He can throw it. Looks downfield for Howard, who makes a catch at the Clemson 30. Hurts now took a peek downfield and now just barrels forward. Still running in the clear and scores. Watson, touchdown. Official. Punctuation. Clemson dethrones and avenges Alabama.
Well, we don't have the clip at our access right now, but we will play it on Thursday when Gabriel Morenci comes on. If you were listening to Stretch Run yesterday, Jimmy Murphy here, your host, Justin Sullivan, when we had Gabriel Morenci on at 525 towards the end of the segment. Nailed it again. He called it. Nailed it again. Not not just the winner. (laughs) The score. 35 to 31. Nailed it again. Gabriel Morenci right here in the stretch run. Now, we don't like to toot our own horn, but that has to be, what, the sixth time in the last few weeks that one of our guests has absolutely called something? Six or seven, yeah. (laughs) Nailed it. So, if you're gambling, we don't promote it. Hopefully it's for entertainment purposes only. You probably might want to listen to our listen show to the next few days before we're <laughs> off the air, especially Gabriel Morenci on Thursday, who absolutely nailed it, just like the Clemson Tigers did, the Eye of the Tiger. Sweet revenge for last year. Thank God. Watson and the Clemson Tigers beat Alabama. And another thing, I see a lot of people talking about it that Gabe brought up too, is one of the main factors he believed Clemson would win was Lane Kiffin's departure Yeah, <laughs> in the midst of preparation yeah. right before this huge game. I would say, even though, I mean, they, they scored. They scored 31 yeah, they scored. points, but there were times where you could clearly see that that offense was out of sync. Yeah, Jalen Hurts was not the same, same guy. It was not the same no. quarterback. So absolutely had an effect, 100%. So the Clemson Tigers are your 2016-17 national champions after beating the Alabama Crimson Tide. Someone had to beat them. Someone had to take them As out. Gabriel Morenci predicted with a, excuse me, I got the hiccups here, 35 to 31 victory. Score. Unreal. <laughs> That's awesome. Unreal. Right That's in the awesome. money. That's awesome. And uh, a heck of a game. That was a, a barn burner, as they like to call it. Fun game to watch. Uh, I heard Christian and King talking about what ESPNU offered. I didn't see Was it, it them that did the, the, the triple screen, right? Yeah, that might have been. Yeah, might yeah have been I saw that on ESPN's homepage. They had they had that on the side there, what they were doing. I I, I didn't realize like people were actually watching the game that way. Yeah, the, with the I mean, they offered like fifteen different options. <laughs> well, why the hell would you want to do that? And what Who advertiser knows? buys that? I had no idea, no clue. Don't ask me. <laughs> unreal, just absolutely I mean, unreal. I, I get the, I get like the the home call if like you are a true Bama fan, you don't want to listen to you. I get that part of it, but yeah, there was there's two there's there's a point where there's too much where it's just like all right, I don't need I don't need triple screens, I don't need all this coverage. Just give me the straight game. Yeah, so amazing game there. Some great NHL action. I was bouncing around. So our, uh, Alexander Ovechkin tied Maurice Rocket Richard. I believe it's for fourth. Most goals ever. Um, he now can break that record or surpass the Rocket in his next game uh, as the Capitals beat the Habs 4-1 to in Montreal. Capitals are on fire right now. Uh, they are winners of six in a row. The Habs lose at the Bell Center. I think that's only a third time all season. Uh, ooh, this is just over the wire right now. Ooh. This was a guy I thought maybe the Bruins would be interested in, considering their disgusting backup goaltending situation. Do you realize that Tuka Rask has 20 out of the 21 disgusting Bruins wins? Disgusting is an understatement. 
No, but they have 21 wins. Okay? Yes. And 20 of them are from yes. their starter. That's really bad. That's really, really bad. I mean, it, like, I don't get it. And two great backups, one yeah. of them who the Bruins had, and I thought was pretty good here. Yeah. Jonas Gustafsson was on waivers yesterday from the Oilers. I don't know what Edmonton was thinking. Uh, and Curtis McEnany, uh he used to play. I used to see him play a lot in Springfield. Yeah. Uh, he of the Columbus Blue Jackets was waived and today claimed, 53 minutes ago the story broke, by that team that has now crept up on the Bruins and has six games in hand on them, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. <laughs> who could very well bump them out of playoff contention. Yes. If the Bruins lose tonight. So uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs pick up Curtis McEnany. Uh, a very, very solid backup goalie. Good for them. They clearly need some help. The, the Bruins, of course, are in St. Louis tonight. David Backus, his first game back in St. Louis since signing with the Boston Bruins as a free agent, unrestricted free agent over the summer in a five-year deal. He returns to the place where he served as the captain of the St. Louis Blues for the last five years. Sure to be an emotional, be emotional. emotional moment for David Backus. Uh, he's already faced his teammates once back here in Boston. I believe the Blues won 4-3, to three, if I'm not mistaken. I do believe We'll double-check that. Double check that. Uh, but the Bruins continue their road trip uh, after taking three out of four points on the road in Florida and Carolina. They go to St. Louis for what promises to be a tough game. Um, and we will talk to Andy Strickland, who's been on this show before, Fox Sports St. Louis. He will join us. He's covered the Blues for about 20 years. Uh, he will give us the Blues side of things, talk about what David Backus meant to that team and that city. And, uh, and and for those who you know think of St. Louis and they don't think of hockey, they should. Yeah, I don't know if you watched the Winter Classic. Start paying attention. They did, some great, they did a great uh, feature on what a hockey city that's become. And considering now that you know they are minus the Cardinals there, they don't have an NBA team. So all they have is the Blues... And the uh, excuse the Blues and the St. Louis Cardinals, yes. minus the minus the Rams. football team, the Rams, yes. who were once the Cardinals. So I'm getting all yeah, we're all messed up right now. <laughs> there in in my time machine here. Uh, time warp. They're minus the Rams. The St. Louis Rams, of course, moved to L. A. So basically, the Blues are it in the winter months. You know, from like November yeah. to late March, the Blues are the team in St. Yeah. Louis. And with them making the conference finals last year, their fan base has gone through the roof. So that's a hot ticket. They sell it every game. That yeah. place is going to be rocking tonight in St. Louis. They had a great showing at the Winter Classic despite all the rain. Uh, that's going to be a tough place to play. The Blues are a tough team as it is. A heavy team, as Claude Julian likes to call them, because they bang. They come at you. They use the body. Unbelievable forecheck. So a tough game for the Bruins. We'll get the Blues perspective from Andy Strickland. And then later in the show, we will talk to Ty Anderson of WEI about the Bruins perspective there. Uh, the Celtics are in Toronto. We discussed it yesterday with Chris Forsberg. Uh, they are up there in a battle for the second spot in the Eastern Conference. A gigantic game. Who would have thought that 10 years ago? You could say it's a gigantic game with the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. But the Raptors... Our one solid team, as we discussed. Uh, Drake will likely be in the house. He will. I bet you he is. And he'll be dropping my name <laughs> for street creds. I know Jimmy Murphy <laughs> from back in uh, Ottawa. Yeah, I like that. 
but yes, the uh, Celtics take on the Raptors. What else we got going on in the world of sports today? That's it. That's about, about it, right? That's about it for air, yeah. Besides, uh, as uh, Christian was discussing, David yeah, Ortiz's yeah, weird tweet. That was, I'm serious. I'm a little worried about him. That was that was interesting last night. Well, I saw it and I was like, I, I I don't I don't get it. I thought it was like a joke because I've seen you've seen his TurboTax commercial now. He's all you know. He's really into this retirement commercial yeah. stuff now. And then you see that, and of course, that's the first thing I think about. You know, is he coming back? He already had. A tweet earlier this year when they traded for Chris Sale, where he said, "Ah, thinking about it, you know, like, haha, it's a f- no, David, this isn't a joke anymore. You can't play with us like that. You can't f- tell us what's going on here, please. I need to know why you just tweeted at the Boston Globe. And the the Boston Globe is funny. The responses are funnier than the tweet itself. The responses are like, "We're waiting, David. What are you? What are you saying, David? What are you trying to tell us? Yeah. Tell us, David." But I'm also with you. I'm a little concerned. Where? Well, where I mean, is, where you, is you've he? seen that, right? Where yeah. people have like. Yeah, I'm glad for me that strokes or heart yeah, attack, yeah. and it's just like an incomplete sentence. Yeah. And this is just one word. Yeah. It's a Twitter handle, and that's it. Yeah. So, I mean, Where somebody might want to check in on the guy. Is he here. okay? Where is he? Please tell me he's okay. I'm going to ask him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet to him. Yeah. Dave. We're concerned. Are you <laughs> Dave, okay, Dave, Poppy? are you okay? Yes. Yes. We need, I need to find out. I need an answer, because that, that's... Talk about ultimate cliffhanger. That He's the master at ultimate cliffhanger. That is just... It's cruel. Like, David, tell us what's going on, please. Why are you tweeting at the Boston Globe? What's going on? You've already tweeted about Chris Sale. Can you just g- give me something? Give me an answer, something. All I've seen is you and TurboTax commercials yet. Can, can, we, can I get some, some sort of answer on this, please? Yeah. yeah. So uh, interesting stuff there. You know, we didn't discuss it yesterday, uh, the Meryl Streep speech there. Yeah. Uh, where she basically... You know, was going off on uh, Trump and and the, the hatred towards foreigners, and rightfully so. But then she said, you know, all you're going to have left is is football and martial arts. Those are arts. Th- th- those yeah. are very <laughs> tough things to perform at. Yeah, and uh, can s- they're very uh, multicultural as well. Yeah, very. So she kind of goofed on that. Yeah. I got where she was going with it, but she, she did goof with it. So uh, I was thinking about that last night. I don't know, the random thoughts that go through my head. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, here's, you know, this multi-award winning actress giving the speech of her life. And nobody's going to, I mean, she screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, she dropped the bomb. Yeah, royal, royal mess up there. So, like, why isn't she getting called out for this? Is that not PC? Apparently, apparently not. Yeah. Apparently yeah. not. God forbid we call her out. Uh, <laughs> some more hockey news. Uh, congratulations to the Bruins' Brad Marchand and Tuka Rask. Yes. Named to the NHL All-Star Game, which will take place at the end of the month, last weekend of this month. I believe it's the weekend between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl. Uh, I remember one time they had it, a couple times they had it on conference championship week, and I was just like, our Super Bowl week. Yeah. The, the year, well, it was, <laughs> it was because of 9-11. Yeah. The year... The, the Patriots won their first Super Bowl. The All-Star game was the Saturday before Super Bowl Sunday, like the day before. Yeah. And it was just, it was a mess. So I was out there in L.A. That's where I watched the uh, Patriots win it. But yeah. uh, this year, it is back in L.A. for the first time since 2002. Uh, promises to be a star-studded event, and they're going to announce the 100 greatest players Ooh. in NHL history That's as the NHL's good. Centennial celebrations are underway. That's pretty cool. Of course, the late, recently late, Milt Schmidt, who passed away a week ago tomorrow, uh, is in that list. I, I don't Absolutely. know what number he's at. Uh, apparently, there's five current NHLers in the list as well. Hmm. Uh, 
care to guess who? I, I don't know. They haven't announced it. I, but off the top of your head, I mean, who would you say? Crosby, Ovechkin. Crosby, yeah. Those would be my first two. Uh, Yager. Okay. He's yep. still current. I mean, yep. he's yep. been playing okay. forever. Um, hmm. Luongo? Yeah, he might be in there, yeah. Uh, Is he a Hall of Fame player to you? You know, last night he got his 435th win, <sighs> by the way. I think he's fourth all time now. See, my 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 memories of Luongo are are the spat with Tim is the spat with Tim Thomas. You know, that's mm-hmm. that I know Luongo as that loser goalie. I don't know him as the the King Luongo and playing well. And you know that when I think of Luongo, that's what I think of. But it's also because that's when I was a, a, a super fan, and that's when I was just getting into it. Um, well, he's choked in the big situations. Yeah, I just. Uh, I, but regular season wise, this guy has won a lot of. I don't. I don't see him that way. I kind of. I don't see him as that type of type of goalie for me personally. That's he, just where I see it. Here, I, I had the numbers wrong. So, uh, last uh, yeah, so his last game, yeah, he passed Hall of Famer Terry Sawchuk with his 448th career NHL victory hmm. uh, Monday, placing him alone in fifth. Excuse me, I said fourth, fifth on the all-time wins list for goaltenders. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, over seven, uh, he is thirty-seven, and he made uh, twenty-eight saves in what turned out to be his seventy-third shutout of his career. He's got. He's definitely got. The That's stats. pretty good. He's definitely got over the stats, seventeen. You know? See, and I know Bruins fans don't want to admit that, but I mean, and he's from Montreal, so that's yeah. even worse to Bruins fans. <laughs> but you got to give props where it's due yeah. here. Uh, seventeen seasons, the Montreal native has hit the twenty-win plateau eleven times, and has reached 31, 30 wins eight times. His best season was with the Canucks in 2006-07 when he won 47 games. His first NHL game came in the 99-2000 season with the New York Islanders. Actually, fun stat. I was talking to Russ Conway the other day, who, by the way, will be part of the finale, the final stretch run ever on Thursday. The Hall of Fame hockey scribe. Uh, you've heard him here before. The great interview we replayed over the Sit holidays with listen. Bobby Orr <laughs> should be a great one. He will be on at 4:40. It's something you do want to tune in for. We've got a, we got some surprises for you. We've got the regulars. We've got a, a, a dandy of a show lined up for you on Thursday for our last show. But uh, continuing with this Luongo story, so before that season, he's playing in Lowell, yeah, who were then a uh, minor league affiliate for the New York Islanders. His first ever game in the AHL for Lowell, guess who his defenseman was in front of him? Hmm. No idea. Well, there's a defenseman on the Boston Bruins. Yeah, Z. Yeah. Yeah. Zdeno Chara, because Chara was drafted by the Islanders. Wow. (laughs) They had, at one time, that's how dumb the Islanders are. (laughs) Within a span of two years, I believe it was, they traded away Roberto Luongo and Zanano Char. That's pretty bad. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Unreal. <laughs> so uh, he has uh, he had 252 wins with the Canucks, 189 with Florida, and seven with the Islanders. Shows you how short the stint was with the Islanders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeez. And he reached the 448 mark in 18 fewer games than Sawchuk, who played 21 seasons from 1950 to 1970. Another thing I want to bring up, we're on the goalie topic, and we'll cut to break here in a yep. bit. As we've got Dick Umilly, we recorded it earlier because uh, they have practice right now. So uh, Dick Umilly, head coach of UNH, and myself uh, did a pre-recorded interview right before the show. We'll play that shortly. Um, I'm going to bring this up. So Glenn Hall, who 
for you youngsters like yourself, Sully. Yes. He is the goalie that Bobby Orr scored the famous goal on. Yes. Yep. That is Glenn Hall. Okay. So Glenn Hall had a consecutive game streak. All right. I'm looking it up now. I forget the numbers. And he this is this is insane. This will never ever be broke. Here it is. All right. Take a guess now how many games Glenn Hall played in a row. In a row? Yeah, he didn't miss. I mean, you know, this carries over a course of how many seasons, but I'm going to give you a hint. It's over 400. Oh, my God. I was going to say 200. (laughs) No. Oh, my God. 502 consecutive games (laughs) in goal. Perhaps the safest record in pro sports. definitely. (laughs) That's ridiculous. And think about that. Now... Cal Ripken, right? He yeah. holds the Ironman record, and that. But I mean, you think all the how many more games they play in baseball yeah, yeah, per yeah. season? Yeah. So think about that, man. My God, <laughs> it's absurd. That's absurd. That, like you said, that'll I mean, never, and, that'll and, never ever happen. And, and ever. think about the the generation of athletes coming up these days. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the things they miss games for, <laughs> broken toenail, whatever yeah, yeah. you know. That, and and oh, by the way, touched. By the way, he never wore a helmet. Oh my God. Never had a mask. What was the number? 502. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's just never going to get touched. That will never get touched. 18 NHL seasons. They, Clay Buckle sleeps the wrong way and he's out for six months. <laughs> like, that's, you know, that's not, that will never be touched ever in pro sports. Again, that's on unre- 502? Yeah. I was gonna. I was literally gonna say 100, and I thought I was gonna be over. Like what? He's a hockey player. Oh my god. He's a hockey player. They're just a different breed. Yeah, different animal. Yeah, different species. They really are. But uh, we got a great show. And speaking of hockey, lots of college hockey in the next two segments. Up next, a pre-recorded interview. Our last with head coach of UNH hockey, Dick Humilly, joining us. And then after that, we'll bring on Bob Snow to recap the World Junior Championships and look ahead. Uh, to the stretch run of the college hockey season here on the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back. You're listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy, right here on ESPN, New Hampshire. Christian and King. One game? Yeah, one game was ridiculous. One? It was ridiculous. You got ripped when you gave Ray Rice two, two. and now you're going to give this guy one? Yeah, no, it's just... And What's this guy? Yeah, this guy's really bad. Josh Brown's ex-wife told police of over 20 physically violent yes. instances. Police were called on multiple occasions to the Browns' residence in Washington State, St. Louis, and New Jersey over the years. Jeez, three states, come on. Weekdays, noon to three, on ESPN New Hampshire Radio, and streaming live on ESPNNHradio.com. We just bought a fixer-upper, and I don't know where to begin. So I went to see Paul at our neighborhood Ace. I told Nate we have everything he needs to help him repair their home, from a wide selection of paint colors, craftsman tools, and the best lawn and garden brands. Ace is the place with exactly what you need, starting with help. Ace Hardware now is a brand new store in Nashua, on Pearl Street downtown. That's right, a brand new Ace Hardware store in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. Nashua Ace Hardware is a division of Nashua Wallpaper. Hi, I'm Liz. 
Welcome to Lowell Jewelry and Loan. The economy is pretty rough right now, and if you're looking for a short-term loan, banks aren't making it any easier. Sometimes it can take up to 60 days to get approved. That's crazy! We truly are in the business to lend money and put cash in your hands instantly. Bring in any item and we'll give you cash. We also give you four months before making your first payment. Call or come see us today. Our reputation is impeccable. Lowell Jewelry and Loan on Merrimack Street. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't seen your lap in months. And even more stuff. But still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed. And they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs. And it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Outdoor Almanac with Peter St. James. Brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal. Did you know that feeding the deer makes them vulnerable to predation, disease, collisions with vehicles, and it makes it easy for them to stop foraging for food? Training them to come to your house may be a hit with the grandchildren, but you're hurting them more than you know. Fed deer tend to travel more in the winter going between feeding sites, which causes them to exhaust their fat stores. Unfed deer tend to travel less, stay in natural winter deer yards, and conserve their resources to survive the winter. The natural survival strategies that have served them well for generations. The same thing applies to feeding wild turkeys. It shouldn't be done because it too creates a host of potential problems. Doesn't take long for coyotes to figure out that you're feeding the deer and turkeys. And to coyotes, that's like ringing the dinner bell. Don't diminish deer or turkeys' natural wariness of humans. You could be creating more problems than winter does. Outdoor Almanac is brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal, the magazine for people with outside interests. It's pouring rain. It's real dark outside. Your heart starts beating really, really fast. You've never done anything so hard in your life. This is boot camp. This is the real thing now. It's such extreme pain, you don't understand how you can finish. I began to feel that there was no way I was ever going to have my title, U.S. Marine. It takes special inner strength, courage, and desire to do this. I was just thinking, I'm so close. I'm so close. And when I, I finished, I was like, I'm done. I did it. The moment I will never forget is when this drill instructor that I admire so much comes up to me straight in front of me, put her arm on my shoulder and said, good morning, Marine. PFC Summer Volkman became a Marine. Can you? Visit Marines.com or call 1-800-MARINES. The few, the proud, the Marines. It might be the door alarm or the new safety drain covers the pool fencing, even the swim lessons. But the fact is, you can never know which safety step will save a life until it does. Adding multiple safety steps to your safe pool practices can mean the difference between a close call and a call to 911. Simple steps save lives. To learn some new ones, visit PoolSafely.gov. A public service message from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, the American Red Cross, and YMCA of the USA. 
got it all here on ESPN, on ESPN, New Hampshire. And welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. As we usually do on Tuesdays, we welcome in right now head coach of UNH Hockey, Dick Humili. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jimmy. Uh, good to speak with you. Yeah, it's great to speak with you. And uh, before we get going, too, I, you know, I know you heard the news that we will be off the air uh, after Thursday. And uh, Justin and I want to take the chance to thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you every week. Well, let me tell you what, uh, I've enjoyed it because I've been at it. I think uh, I do a lot of uh, radio shows, and I've really, really enjoyed uh, uh, talking with you. You're, you're right on the game. You know what's going on. And, uh, uh, it's been enjoyable to speak with you, and I wish you nothing but the best. I appreciate it, Coach. And one of these days, I'm going to get over there to the WIT soon and uh, catch a game and catch up with you after. Hey, listen, speaking of uh, some games, you guys uh, almost pulled off a major upset uh, last week against uh, UMass Lowell, losing only 2-1, to one, and then you go on to beat Brown 7-4. to four. But I want to start with the, the near miss there on UMass Lowell. Uh, Obviously, you want to come away with a W there, but to go into that game and give them the battle you did, considering the young team you have, how huge is that for those kids to know that they can uh, they can challenge the best of them any given night? Well, I think it was uh, you know that's how we felt about the game, Jimmy. We got off to a, a slow start the first you know five or six minutes of the game, uh, but after that, when they settled down, I thought we played probably one of our better games against a very good uh, UMass Lowell team. Uh, you know, they're, they're one of the top teams in the country. I think it was great for our confidence. You know, we believe we've gotten better. Uh, we played extremely well defensively, and we were looking to do that. Uh, and I think the team responded, and we had our chances to score, and it was unfortunate that we ended up losing the game, and we were at least hoping we'd get a point out of it, but we couldn't get that second goal to tie it up. Um, so we, you know, we, we dealt with that and moved on, and, uh, you know, we got postponed there Saturday with uh, um going down to Brown and ended up playing a Sunday afternoon game and uh, came out strong and jumped on them pretty quickly and got ourselves a 7-1 to lead and uh, ended up uh, winning 7-4. to So we'll, we'll take that win, and that, now it's all about Hockey East uh, from here to the end. Uh, and we have a, a, a big weekend series uh, with Northeastern t- uh, Thursday night and Saturday at Fenway Park. And of course, you know, I was going to say to coach, uh, it's sometimes tough. I remember when I used to, when I went to UMass Amherst and I was covering the team there and doing some play by play, it would always be tough sometimes for the kids, uh, to get up for the games in the, in the winter break, you know, when school's not in session, the crowds are a little thinner, the, there's not sort of that excitement sometimes in the atmosphere. Uh, but I don't think you're going to have a problem getting up for this two game set against Northeast and especially the game Saturday at Fenway. Eh? Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. Saturday's game will be exciting. Our last experience there was was a positive one. Uh, hopefully, that will continue. I think the weather is going to be pr- pretty comfortable. Uh, hopefully, somewhere in the 40s, so it won't be bitter cold. Uh, and hopefully, it'll be a good experience. But uh, playing here Thursday night, it's first responders' night. 
uh, our respect to them and uh, oh, playing Northeastern on Thursday night. So we'll, we'll look into that game first, and then uh, we'll head down to Boston on Friday for a skate at Fenway Park and then uh, a game Sally. And we want to remind our listeners, as I said in the intro, we do have a pair of frozen Fenway tickets for that UNH Northeastern game on Saturday at Fenway Park. So uh, we will cue you when to call later on in the show, and you can call in and hopefully win those for yourself. Uh, Coach, speaking of outdoor games, um, we've watched a lot of them over the last few weeks, whether it be in the NHL or whether it be the first set of frozen Fenway games. Uh, do you watch that in preparation uh, for your team going out there? And, and what kind of things are you looking for um, in terms of the elements and the way guys are skating and, and just stuff like that? Well, I think it, the hard part of what Jimmy is, uh, you know, the ice is, it's outdoor ice. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's fun. It's exciting to play at Fenway, but uh, the conditions are never like they are when you, when you play at an indoor rink. Um, the ice is always uh, chippy and, uh, it's it's tough sometimes to handle the puck and make passes. So, uh, and that goes for both teams. So you you have to play a a very simple, um, you know, almost like a a chip uh, and chip passing, and because uh, uh, it's it's never really uh, you know real great ice. Uh, it's not bad ice, but it's it's, it's not uh, easy to handle the puck on those outdoor uh, games. Yeah, and I, I mean I don't know. Did you see the highlights of that uh, AHL game they had in Bakersfield? Uh, no, I, I didn't see that oh, one. I didn't see that. It was torrential lot, downpour. Torrential yeah, downpours yeah. they had, and they still played. I couldn't believe it. But uh, you look also in terms of playing outside at Fenway. You're playing in a baseball park. The sun um, could play a, a role as well in the way the angles it comes in at, the times. Do you study that? Do you learn about that, where the sun's going to be shining and where it will be shining at what time? Well, right now we're scheduled to play at seven thirty, so I don't think we're going to have. Oh, to you'll be fine. Yeah, we're the, we're the late game. The, the guys in the and, you know they, they use the the black shadow that football teams use. Uh, yeah, I, I know the last time we played there, we used it uh, early on because it was the sun was out in the early part of the game. Uh, I think the last time we played there, we played around five thirty, but I don't think we have to worry. Yeah, you about won't worry it, uh, this weekend. What about? But in that respect, what about the lighting though? You're dealing with whole different lighting than indoors. Uh, talk to us about that and how that plays a role. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's definitely different. I mean, you know, you, the lights are coming from completely different directions than what you're used to, like overhead lights in, in arenas. So, um, but I, I don't know if that really ended up being a factor in, in remembering back to when we played there. So I'm not that concerned about it. I, I think it was uh, pretty bright out uh, with the lighting. So um, and I, I remember it to be, uh, you know, a beautiful night. Uh, the lighting was, was, was fine, and, um, you know, we enjoyed it. Yeah, that's great, Coach. Well, that will be a fun experience. And you mentioned that uh, it's all about hockey East from here on in. Uh, in terms of the youth on your team, how important is this in terms of their development as a co- college hockey player when they get to the nitty-gritty part of the schedule and they're playing the, you know, the conference games and uh, the excitement level goes up a notch? Talk about that and what you look for in those younger players. Well, you know what, our younger players have played an awful lot for us the first half, so I think that's been a positive. Uh, we've put them in key situations. Um, you know, we've relied on our freshmen to go along with our upperclassmen to play a key role in uh, on our offense and on at defense. Uh, so I think they've had a, a, a good, uh, solid first half. Uh, they've provided uh, scoring for us. They've provided good defensive play for us. So now they're second semester freshmen, so I think they've... Um, you know, got got a good feel as to how they have to play at a, uh, 
a high Division One level that uh, we, we play in here at UNH. So uh, I think we're comfortable with them. And uh, the ups and downs of the first half, I think uh, they've learned from it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that, that will pay dividends there as we come down the stretch. Finally, Coach, on a different topic, and we're going to be bringing this up with Bob Snow in the next segment. Uh, USA comes away with their, their third gold medal at the World Juniors since 2010. Uh, just amazing, amazing hockey, if you're able to watch some of it, I don't know. And uh, one of the key things uh, coming out of that is that more than three-quarters of the roster were college hockey players. Yeah. How great is yeah. that for the game of college hockey right now to see that? Well, that was absolutely awesome. I watched the games, uh, both the, the semifinal and the final. Unreal, huh? Uh, the coaching staff and the team did a great job rep- representing USA hockey, and uh, it was great for college hockey. It was great for USA hockey beating, uh, you know, f- being you know Canada in the in, in the final, uh, beating Russia, uh, Sweden. I mean, it, it's just it's awesome, and it, uh, a lot of credit goes to USA hockey in, in pre- preparing the team to play in the tournament, and uh, we were all very very proud of. Uh, USA Hockey uh, junior, World Junior Team. Are you sensing um, a gap closing there between, you know, when kids m- come to that decision whether they want to go to a college in the U.S. or, or juniors up in Canada? Are you? Can you feel that momentum building for college hockey? No, there's no question. You just look at now. It's over thirty percent of the guys that play in the National Hockey League that have played in college hockey. Mm-hmm. You, you're just so much prepared, um, and, and it's a complete player when you. When you go the college route, uh, you're not only uh, developing as a hockey player at, at uh, Division One college hockey, but you're developing socially. You're involved with students on a college campus, with professors, a community. Uh, you, you, you're uh, doing uh, an, uh, the, the uh, strength conditioning that you receive at uh, major university is second to none. So when you leave college, when it's time to go to the pros, you are a much better product than uh, the other choices, and that's my opinion. Well, Coach, I know talking to your peers, you've been one of the greatest ambassadors for the sport, so we thank you for that. And I, Again, I thank you for coming on the stretch run over the last few months, and uh, we wish you the best, all right? Well, yeah, that's mutual, Jimmy. So you and your, your crew there at the station, congrats. You've done a great job, and I'm sure you'll show up here soon somewhere, and I look forward to it. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. That's Coach Dick Humilly of UNH Hockey joining us here on the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back. Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for the right time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. The Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month is brought to you by Apple Therapy. Visit AppleTherapy.com. All right, our 
Student Athlete of the Month is Uta Sharma of Bishop Girton, one of the better Cardinals on the soccer field and one of the better Cardinals in the classroom, so to speak. What do you think the difference was between this year and, and in years past with BG Soccer? I think, like, really this year in particular, the senior class like was able to come together and uh, like kind of lead the team to some newfound success uh, like after struggling like so long together. I kind of like knew that it was going to be like someone had to step up and I kind of like wanted to fulfill that role like mm. especially my senior year. You're going to Johns Hopkins. What strives you in the class and what keeps you attentive? I've always been kind of interested in like the math and science side of things but I like have taken some tough liberal arts kind of courses as well like Mm. Latin and stuff. How's the Latin class? That sounds tough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty tough. What made you settle on Johns Hopkins? I visited there and did, like, a couple campus tours, and I'm really, like, excited to be in Baltimore. Like, it's a really fast-growing city. It's, like, a lot of things are happening. Obviously, it's, like, a great school. Udit Sharma of Bishop Girton is our Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month. Nominate your son or daughter. Sign up now at ESPNNHradio.com. With six New Hampshire locations, Apple Therapy's comprehensive orthopedic rehabilitation clinics offer convenient access to a wide variety of services. Apple Therapy uses the latest technology and treatment techniques such as trigger point dry needling, active release techniques, running gate video analysis, and Graston technique. Plus, they are networked to most providers and all insurance companies. Apple Therapy is located in Amherst, Bedford, Manchester, Nashua, Londonderry, and Executive Health Club. For more information and access to their video library, visit AppleTherapy.com. Rain, sleet, and snow are coming to threaten your visibility and turn your commute into a battle. But the Michelin Man is ready to protect you with Michelin Stealth Wiper Blades. Exclusive SmartFlex technology makes these blades flex to the curve of your windshield, giving you the best wipe possible and streak-free, long-lasting performance for safer driving. Winter is coming, and when it arrives, be ready. Michelin Wiper Blades. It doesn't get any clearer than this. Available at Walmart, Vet Boys, Home Depot, and other fine retailers. Paralyzed Veterans of America, National Service Officers. We've got an entire generation of men and women who have seen war. They're going to need voices. They're going to need advocates. Paralyzed Veterans of America is here to help. We're going to make sure that the Veterans Affairs gives them everything that they're entitled to. Get all the health care they need. Making a person's house adaptable for them to go back home and live. Education benefits. And we'll also focus on getting them a job. And if something happens to the veteran, then, you know, we're the spouse's advocate. We help our veterans for free. The way that Paralyzed Veterans of America does that is through their national service officers that are located throughout the United States. Our work is important because people depend on us. And they know when they come to Paralyzed Veterans of America, they're going to get the right answer and they know that we are there for them 24-7, because we are. Changing lives, building futures. That's Paralyzed Veterans of America. To learn more, visit pva.org. A public service message from Paralyzed Veterans of America. We've got it all here on ESPN, on ESPN, New Hampshire. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yankee Doodle do or die. A real live nephew of my Uncle Sam, born on the 4th of July. An incredible hockey game, and it comes down to a five-round shootout. Now we see Troy Terry. He scores! He's four for four. Troy Terry, the first goal of the shootout. He's done it again. Parsons makes the save. Team USA wins the goal. Nicola Wong. He's stopped by Tyler Parsons! 
save. The Americans are world junior hockey champions. And welcome back to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Jimmy Murphy, your host, Justin Sullivan, working the boards. We just heard from UNH head coach Dickie Milley, and now we welcome on our college hockey guru, unfortunately for the last time. Uh, but he is with us now, our man Bob Snow. How are you, Mr. Snow? Murph, there is never a last time in our lives. We'll be reunited somewhere south of the clouds. Yep, I'm with you on that, buddy. We'll, we'll do a hockey show someday from the from the beaches somewhere, huh? You got it. You got it. That sounds like a plan to me. And uh, the Yankee Doodle Dandy is uh, the United States World Junior Hockey Championship, Bob. Uh, absolutely amazing hockey. I don't care if you like the game or not. There was no way you couldn't have been enthralled by that. I talked to many people who don't watch hockey a lot. And they couldn't get enough of it. It was it was awesome. It was edge of the edge of your seat. And for United States hockey and college hockey specifically, it was a gigantic, gigantic statement uh, that USA hockey is now equal and if not better than Hockey Canada in some respects. Yeah, I would think that every every single piece of college recruiting literature that gets sent out to prospective players. It's going to have a picture of the U.S. winning gold in 2017, as it is, as their number one recruiting tool for kids who are considering whether to play in Canada in the junior program, play in the state NCAA program. It was a tremendous game. I mean, and you know, the way the United States won it, too. I mean, against Canada, in Canada, you and I have been to the Bell Center many times. I always say to people, before you die, you have to go to the Bell Center and take in a big game, whether it's a Bruins-Canadians game or a game like this juniors game. But... But they had to come back from two goals twice. And then they had to win in the shootout, which, of course, you and I have talked many times. I wish we get rid of the shootouts at all levels. But just a tremendous game, a tremendous statement about NCAA hockey, and a tremendous statement about the U.S. playing on the world stage as a college hockey team, if you will. Yeah, and don't you think for one second that the uh, the folks in Hockey Canada didn't realize what that was doing? I mean, I saw, I sent that story to you by Kevin McGran that was in the Toronto Star. Now, when there's a when there's a story on the front page of the sports section in the Toronto Star praising U.S. college hockey, right in the, I mean, you're talking the belly of the beast of uh, of Canadian junior hockey, and that story comes out there today. You know that's a thorn in the side of uh, the CHL right now, and David Branch was there in a quote trying to, you know, sort of ease the the pain or the blow there. But I mean, they got to face facts right now. I mean, they've done a great job of, of appealing not only to Americans uh, but to Canadians and taking those kids from across the border down south. It, it's it's great to see, and this was the perfect example of it. Yeah, and you know the other the other flip side of that whole perception is the fact that College Hockey Inc. was founded. I don't know, help me out, maybe eight years ago, mm-hmm. and their primary mission was to keep selling and reselling through USA Hockey. You know that the NCA route is the route to go. So Mike Snee and hats off to him and all the folks at College Hockey Inc. You know Nate Jewell, all these guys who have been putting the NCA route as the way to go front and center on the College Hockey Inc. You know kind of. Uh, stamp of approval, you know, of walking on clouds now. This is a huge, huge plus 
the USA Hockey and for College Hockey Inc. with regard to what it's been trying to sell as the best route for kids to go when they're 15, 16, and 17 years old. Um, so I see this as nothing but a bigger and a better brand for the NCAA hockey to be able to recruit. The number of guys who are on the, N- on the uh, NHL rosters, we've talked about that. Several teams approaching half their roster now. The average is about 30%. This is huge. This is one of the biggest monumental, uh, if you will, steps for NCAA hockey probably in its history. Yeah, and USA Hockey as well. And we do have to mention, Bob, we got to give credit where it's due. They don't win this, though, without a, a player from the States uh, in Parsons, the goalie, that does play up in the uh, OHL. So we, we do have to give them that credit. But uh, yeah. overall, it was uh, dominated by college players. Uh, but, you know, you look around right now. We're getting into the, uh, the conference games on the schedules, and uh, the teams are excited. We're going to see a lot of rivalries starting to play again. Um, and one of them, we just mentioned it, we had Dick Humilion, uh in the segment before you, and uh, one of his players right now uh, could be challenging for the Hobie Baker come March. Yeah, you know, I got this kid Kelleher who put up five, <clears throat> five points against Brown the other night. Unfortunately, uh, UNH lost to low in the big game a couple of nights before, mm-hmm. but this Kelleher kid is the real deal. He's got 40 points in 20 games, and of course, most of us know that historically, the last Wildcats to win the Hobie was Jason Krog, and that would have been helping out maybe in 98 98. or 2000. Yep, 98. Yeah, yeah, I think it was 98. But this kid Kelleher, at this pace, he will be a Hobie hat trick finalist uh, in March uh, for college hockey's biggest prize. But I'm sure Dickie Milley must have told you, I didn't catch the segment, must have told you that their focus is on trying to win big games. They've got a big one this week at the Frozen Fenway. Uh, if you will, against Northeastern. So the second half begins the UNH, begins with the Kelleher kid. Uh, so we'll see how far the Wildcats can go, see if they get themselves to the Garden, maybe to the NCAA tournament in late March. Yep, they host Northeastern Thursday, and then they head down uh, to Fenway Park for the second weekend of Frozen Fenway there. Of course, the first weekend uh, took place last week, Bob, and uh, Boston College uh, got a big win. Uh, you know what? They're always going to be in the thick of it come this time of year, aren't they? Yeah, you know, they took out Providence 2-1 after Providence had beaten, if you will, uh, Denver twice, uh, tied, tied one and beat them uh, one other time the week before. And, of course, CU beating UMass. You know, just to go back quickly to the World Junior Tournament, um, look at who scored the four goals. You know, we had BU and BC. Oh, my gosh. Four goals. And Keith Bellows was lights out, in, in, out of his mind, and so was McAvoy. We talked about Charlie McAvoy's defensive abilities. But he was, a, he was the one who put the first goal on the scoreboard to get the U.S. going, so... And then Colin White, uh, the white kid from BC. So my my point being that this week we've got a we've got the two back to back BU BC BC BU games with the guys who played with each other just a week ago in a, in a world on the world stage playing against each other at the biggest of the local stages. Bob, how about how about BU last week? Who did they they were missing eight players? Uh, they they were at the World Juniors there. Eight Boston University players taking part in that gold medal game. And um, who they who did BU beat? They beat they beat Union. Union, yeah, Union amazingly. Time on Tuesday, and then at the Frozen Fenway, they beat UMass five to three. So and McAvoy came did, in and scored. It did absolutely. Is that amazing or what? I mean, is that <laughs> so crazy? That can only happen. That can only happen in the U.S. college system. Yeah. I mean, look at the look at the football game last night. I mean, you want to talk about exciting sports? I mean, so the World Junior was predominantly college plays. Last night, you know, Alabama and Clemson. 
I mean, do you ever see games played at a higher level of intensity yeah, than what we've seen the last week? It's awesome. It's so cool. It's been such a great uh, few weeks for sports. Um, Bob, I want to bring out, though, like I said about BC there, uh, you know, Colin White, who's uh, had a great, great tournament. Uh, he's an Ottawa Senators uh, draft pick. Uh, he's over at BC, and he, he's having a good season for uh, York and the Eagles there. My question to you, and I know this wasn't one of the things we scheduled to talk about, but how the heck did the Bruins let him slip through the cracks and not get him when he's in their backyard like that? I don't know, but you know, how many conversations have we had about the Bruins draft system and the Bruins, you know, if you will, the, the philosophy about drafting? I don't know, but these guys play right under your nose, and you would think that they would be primary picks. I don't know, maybe sometimes, I hate to say that maybe sometimes, you know, being more heavily balanced with the NCAA is a negative, but... Maybe after last week that won't happen again. But this kid played underneath John Sweeney's nose for the past year, and, and somehow Ottawa scooped him up. But then again, on the other hand, a couple of years ago, you know, they grabbed Charlie McAvoy, and it, we can guarantee this kid's going to be a number one, two, or absolutely. He'll be a one, one or two, three. for sure. One or two with the Bruins for the next 15 years if they don't lose him through the whole concept of free agency. But, you know, one of the scale is McAvoy. McAvoy at the other end is Colin White, but... I wish they didn't lose him because he could have been a bona fide score for them, and they, they needed that type of player for the last two or three years. But you you made an interesting point there, Bob, and and some people might call us crazy or conspiracy theorists, but, you know, Sweeney has been very good, and, and the guys tight to him, like his confidence, they've been very good scouting the college scene. I know Ryan Nadu does a great job for the Bruins scouting yep. NCAA hockey. And they yep. have drafted plenty of college hockey players. And you said something just now about balance. And I don't think they have, like, okay, well, we already drafted three college guys, so that means the next three guys we got to draft are juniors guys. I don't think they do that. But do you think it... They don't, they don't do it. You know where I'm going, right? You know where I'm going with this. I mean, do you think there's a power struggle there amongst the scouting department, specifically amongst the Canadians in their department and the Americans? Do you think that happens? I, 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 I would think that there's definitely the possibility that that happens. The other thing is, have we ever seen, say, the first four or five draft picks of any NHL team being all NCAA players? I don't think that's ever happened. No. So I don't, I don't think that there's a conscious effort to balance it, but I, on the other hand, I think there's certainly a Canadian influence and certainly a potential subconscious some co- subconscious type of dynamic that comes in where there is some type of balance that comes out at the end, because you will never see uh, NCAA listed four, five, or six times in a row with any NHL team on draft day. Never. For sure. For sure. Bob, uh, you still down in Florida? I am. Heading back next week. Got a big Bruins schedule coming up next week. Okay. Did you get you went to the game uh Saturday, right? Saturday the, night. Okay, yeah, Saturday but night they beat the Panthers four nothing. But they had uh Reimer was in net, Reimer for Florida. Well, Reimer's in net. Luongo got hurt the night before. Of course we had all the incredibly major incidents going oh, on. Oh yeah, the horrible Florida tragedy, yeah. On Thursday and then the the, the so they credit the Panthers played a good game Friday night to beat Nashville, but then came back and played a sinker to the Bruins advantage and losing four nothing. But um yeah, Reimer was in net, Luongo somehow was hurt and without Cubado. Uh, they don't have two or three of their big players. So Florida's been struggling the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I wanted to get just about Luongo because uh, Justin and I were talking about him earlier. He got his uh, – he, he tied for fifth all-time in victories. Yeah. He tied uh, – who was it? Sawchuck last night with the 3-0 shutout. Did he shutout. Last night against the Devils? Okay. Yeah, he played last night against the Devils. He finally got that, uh, that win, and uh, he's tied with Terry Sawchuck, fifth all-time. 
and he has 73 shutouts now. Uh, and, you know, I, I put it out there to Justin, and, you know, Justin's younger, obviously, and what he knows of Roberto Luongo being a young Bruins fan is the Bruins lighting him up here in Boston in the Stanley Cup Finals. But if you look at his regular season stats, Bob, I think there's a case to be made that he could go to the Hall of Fame. Do you agree? Yeah, well, I agree 100%. And the other thing is the Panthers did not bring Roberto Luongo back to South Florida to, to uh, live out the rest of his career. He is the number one guy on oh, that yeah. team. And there is no doubt that that team is mobilized around him. And when he's in net, they play much better than any other time. But at the other end of that statement is the fact that they fully expect this guy to be able to make a deep run in the playoffs in the next two or three or four years with the amount of talent they have in front of him. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting, and he's a funny guy as well. I don't know if you've ever, uh, I know you're not a Twitter guy, but you, you've heard about his tweets, huh? Yep, yep, he's a, he's a funny dude, I'll tell you, and he's a great guy to interview, and he's great in the locker room, and he does carry the Panthers on his shoulders. He is, for sure. Listen, my friend, always a pleasure, Bob, and uh, again, I thank you for being part of the stretch run. Unfortunately, uh, we will be off the air permanently after Thursday, but we we appreciate all the the interviews you've done with us and the uh, the commentary and the humor you bring to the show. Murph, we will all land on our feet, son. We have done a great job, but you keep your head in the game. And, of course, Bob, I don't know if you know, but Rod Stewart is 72 years old today, and uh, I think this is a song that you used to walk into the old school dances to, right? Uh, walk? I used to dance in. <laughs> Do you think I'm sexy? <laughs> Bob Snow. <laughs> all right, my friend. Always a pleasure, brother. Love you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, buddy, hang in. All right, that's Bob Snow. Join us here on the Stretch Run. And as I said, a happy 72nd birthday to one Rod Stewart from the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah.